0: Truth. I did look at it and you saw what happened. <laughs> Let's uh, stand with me if you would. Our, uh, our passage this morning is a little bit on the long side, so bear with me. We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 through 35 this morning. Hear now God's word. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always to, to the, be, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. To preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Don't let her capture you with her eyelashes, for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread. But a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry the fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse though you multiply gifts. May God be praised for this word that he has given us this day. And may he add his blessing to this word that we might learn and grow in him. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you. Something occurred to me uh, as I was preparing this sermon a few weeks ago. And I wonder if perhaps maybe Solomon would tell little pearls of wisdom he had given over the weeks and and months that we've been studying is is almost like bedtime stories to his children. Maybe it's kind of like he and his children would just be walking along on a a nice spring day and, and he would begin telling one of these stories in a gentle way. And as we know, in order to really get the gist of what he was trying to get across... He had to tell these things over and over again with perhaps maybe just a slight differentiation to keep it from being too repetitive. Well, here's a story I think that today might be for an older young man. Maybe he was about to get married. Maybe the son came to his father to ask him advice before marriage. Perhaps he was being enticed By a beautiful young lady, maybe even a younger lady. We might say that in order to say older lady, just to be nice. Uh, um. What? Maybe this lady knew who the son was and wasn't so much enamored with the boy, but with the position of the boy. Maybe the riches the boy was probably connected to. She might have been more attracted to, the, to that part of it than she was actually to the son or to the boy himself. Maybe the young man had a wandering eye. We know it ran in the family. Maybe we can even say the family not just of David, but the family of man. I believe that this segment of Scripture could be divided into three sections, and I hope to be able to explain those this morning and be able to see them a little bit more clearly. But section number one is going to be verses 20 through 23. Two weeks ago, we talked about seven things that God hates. We know as well, if you'll remember from that lesson, we found that God hated the person Who was committing these acts because they were not confessing their sins. They were not repenting from them. They were not turning to God and turning away from what they were were doing in the world. They continued to live in the sin that they became quite adept at. Think back to the number of lessons we've received from Solomon that ended with acquiring wisdom and seeking God. It's almost like one thing led To another. Maybe what Solomon is is doing here is trying to keep his son's feet on the right track, staying loyal to his wife and remaining loyal to his God. For you see, I think this lesson is more than just about an adulterous uh, relationship or adulterous liaisons here. Maybe this is as much about remaining faithful to a wife as much as it is about being faithful to his God. Notice in our reading today, Solomon is calling for reinforcements. He doesn't do this very often, but he's doing it this time. And he says, son, listen to your mother. As the old saying goes, always remember and never forget. When mama talks, people usually listen. Or they should if they're smart. I find this to be a particularly interesting story today because of Solomon's track record, okay? Could you hear words coming from Solomon to his son like these? Son, you be faithful to your wife now, just as I have been faithful to my, uh, my uh, 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 over 700 wives. <laughs> or perhaps he was telling his son, don't do as I do, do as I say it do. And yet we have to assume that his son was listening with all due respect to his father and who he was. Yet the words Solomon gave his son and us today are not words to be taken lightly. Again, I have to believe that as Solomon is telling these words to his son, he's sharing what the the son's grandfather, David, had passed on to Solomon, this young man's father, And David, you had to know, knew what he was talking about. Now, in many cultures, the mother was the one responsible for teaching the children many of the day-to-day things that children needed to navigate life. Some of it was the spiritual realm. Others were how to basically uh, live successfully and love appropriately. The mother's teaching was as... As effective because it taught people the how-to's and the what to- dos in life to be good citizens and good parents. Generally, the father would be responsible for teaching the sons a way to make a living, unless, of course you were solemn, and you taught your oldest son particularly how to rule the people wisely and hopefully in a caring way. When it came to certain things in life, moms, I'm sure, taught girls. Men usually would teach the boys. However, if you look again at verse 20, listen to your mama's teaching as well, Solomon says here. Now, throughout this entire passage, what are we hearing? First thing tells us to to listen to what you've been taught. Take what you have learned wherever you go to uh, tie these rules around your neck if you have to. But don't forget what you're being taught. If you forget what we're telling you, it just might get you into a world of trouble, even trouble that you can't get out of, trouble that will nearly be impossible to remove from your life. These early verses in our reading from Proverbs, as usual... Lay the groundwork for other thoughts to be imprinted on anyone's heart. Who reads them, who listens to them, who takes them to heart, okay? I read an old Indian tale one time that makes a great deal of sense. Seems an old, wise American Indian chief had passed some sage wisdom along to a couple of his young braves concerning the struggle within, within the mind, within the heart. It's like two dogs fighting within you, he said. There's one dog who wants to constantly do right, but there's also one dog who wants to constantly do wrong. Sometimes it seems that the dog who wants to do do right wins. But then there are times when it seems that the one who wants to do wrong is winning. Who wins in the end? One of the young braves asked this sage old chief. The one you feed, he replied. Think about it. The one you feed. I think Solomon and his sons, our son, was about at that point right then. Now we go through all this this passage and we see what not to do. What will happen if you do it? And the side effects to all of it. The answer, yet yet the answer is in the first verse of our reading. If you want, if you read the first verse. You could just about skip the rest of it, okay? This is what he's saying here. My son, keep your father's commandments and do not forsake your mother's teaching. If you listen to those two things, how much more trouble would you keep yourself from having to have? This is, in essence is what Solomon is saying here. I remember many years ago, when Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Dale Earnhardt Jr. did a car commercial. I don't, some of you all may remember this. Sr. was sitting in the passenger seat of the car. He was given instructions by the second of what to do when Jr. is driving. Turn right here. Watch that. Watch the rear view mirror. You better look out your side mirror, and so on, and so on, and so on. And you could tell, as Jr. is driving, he's just getting more perplexed by the minute. And Junior finally tells his father, Dad, I've got this, okay? But then, Senior is about to come up with his It works every time advice to his son. And Junior knew it because he began to roll his eyes since he knew what was about to come to him. And Dale Senior makes this statement as Dale Junior is mouthing the words, Son, there are two ways of doing things. There's my way, and there's the wrong way. That's what I see in this passage this morning, and Solomon gets it out of the way early. Listen to what I'm telling you, and you'll have a good life. Oh yeah, you might even want to talk or listen to your mama's advice too. Well, let's fast forward to today. Today we live in a world that's all about getting in life as much as you possibly can. Parents of young children, I dare say it won't be much different for your little ones when they grow up, and they will grow up quite quickly. I am looking at you all. Mom and Dad, you both need to be teaching these principles to your children. I'll try to keep as much of this PG as I possibly can this morning, but you all, for the most part, can kind of fill in the blanks. You'll know what I'm saying. Young man, just getting... To know the world and ready to display his adult knowledge to older folks, such as his grandpa, took his grandpa out fishing one day, wanted to show how adult he had become. And the boy begins to talk a little bit about sex with his grandpa and, and subsequent problems that can occur from, from it, as well as like certain diseases, and that can occur as well as, as that sort of thing as a byproduct. The young man says to his grandfather, well, they didn't have as much problem with those diseases like that back in your day, did they, Grandpa? And the Grandpa sits there for a minute, and he says, well, no, not, not as much, probably, I guess. Well, the grandson, trying to sound wise, says, well, sex has been around since the beginning of time, hasn't it? Yeah, agreed the older fellow. Sure has. The young man then asks, well, what did y'all use for safe sex in your day, Grandpa? The older gentleman looked at him and replied, A wedding ring? Why a red- wedding ring, you may possibly ask? As our reading for this morning says, To keep you or preserve you from the evil woman. And so we get into section 2. This is verses 24 through 29. But look first to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm, I'm hitting on this only slightly this morning. Verse 31 tells us that the two, meaning man and woman, will become one flesh. That is through their union of mind, body, and spirit. Paul goes on to say that this union, this, this treasured love is profound. Because it also represents Christ and the church. It's not only about loving each other. But it's also about having respect for each other. Now, while Solomon talks to men here about the evil woman, ladies, you all are not left out of this. There are evil men out there, too. We mentioned all of this several weeks ago in chapter 5. But I will forecast for you, you're going to hear this again in chapter 7. So I think Solomon is saying this aspect of life though we don't really necessarily like to talk about it so much, is extremely important. If Indeed, if you look at all three chapters expounding on this particular subject, it's laid out quite extensively for us if you put those thoughts together. Now, while this chapter 6 is a bit more specific, I suppose, I believe it goes beyond just an adulterous relationship between man and woman. It would include anything that's allowed to come between a husband and a wife, a job, children, social media, and so much more. For now, we'll talk about the specifics, though, found in verses 24 through 29. But know there is more to this than meets the eye. Solomon says that, All that teaching and remembering what mom and dad have taught their son or daughter, for that matter, was to help preserve that child from the wrath of the evil woman. That pretty well sums everything up right here. If you look at the definition of wrath, you'll see its meaning is to impress strong ire or anger upon someone else. The evil woman can be trying to impress anger in ways that we might not even realize. Not necessarily on the one she's having a relationship with at that time, but on perhaps a repelled love, a rejection by someone she had invested her love into. Sometimes it's not so much about the sex as it is about the injury and the pain. The hurt she or even he is feeling at that moment. And yet, even in all of that hurt, the desire to create pain for others can look quite alluring. Look at how this person's being described by Solomon. Smooth tongue, beautiful. And I don't know, guys, I don't really get this one, but of all things, gorgeous eyelashes? I I don't know, that one's beyond me. These are things, though, that can be quite dangerous, okay? Might be uh, something that the average housewife, average wife cannot necessarily compete with, but I have to ask you this. Should she have to? Theoretically, no. But what oftentimes happens begins with an innocent look. Or maybe a smile. Or maybe even just a simple word of understanding. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. Something like this happens to you. Run from it. Solomon is saying. Simply put. Run from it. Don't fall prey to it. As verse 25 says. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Key, key statement right there. Okay, Do you see what's being said here? She can't make you fall for her. He can't make you fall for him. It starts here. It starts in the heart. It's about as straightforward as you're going to get. We talked about Matthew 5 sometime back. And this is one of the, one of the verses that has always bothered me. Matthew five twenty eight. But I say to you, Jesus speaking here, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her. That everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ladies, I'm saying this to you as well, but this could be reversed, and it may say if you look at a man with lustful intent, you have already committed adultery with him. Frankly, the way folks dress oftentimes is, in my opinion, simply asking for thoughts like this to occur. Men and women. Sometimes if you're working around folks of the opposite sex, it's quite difficult to not look at others that way. But you have to fight it. And you didn't, if you did not learn this one simple lesson as a young person from your mom and dad, let us, the church, be your guide today. Let us help lead you. Because frankly, once again... There, by the grace of God, could I or anyone else in this congregation this morning be. And it might take help from you at some point to reel us back in. We're family. And family needs to be here for each other. Not be a hindrance to one another, but be a help for one another. Solomon says... Don't let her beauty go into your heart. That's where the real sin begins. Maybe perhaps it isn't so much someone you know that attracts you. Solomon mentions prostitutes. Though we don't have the kind of form of street walkers, although I you know, I could be wrong on that one too, but I don't really go out looking anywhere for them or anything like that. But the kind of, of, of ladies of the evening, we could say, and... and that we might see in larger areas, I'd I'd have to assume they're pretty much at bars and and other places that people go to in the evenings, even here in Rock Hill. Stay away from them, he's saying. I mean, those places and those kind of ladies, those folks can cost so little for a moment's pleasure. Even Solomon says for a loaf of bread. And granted, a loaf of bread now is more expensive than it was probably even a week ago. The way the rates are going. And yet, look at how little a loaf of bread is in comparison to the rest of your life. Think about that, is what he is saying. Think about this as well. Even for that moment's pleasure, your life can be ruined. Then Solomon asks a couple of pretty good questions in the next couple of verses. Can a man carry the, the fire carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not get burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? We are human. We need human contact. But I ask you, at what cost? If the fires of a sexual nature stir you to go outside the bonds of marriage, do you think it will go unnoticed? Or as it says in 29, unpunished. We're having to cover this part quickly, but uh, or this last part at least. But I, I think you'll get the idea from what Solomon is saying here, What he's, what he's talking about. The last section I think that is in this passage today is 30 through 35. If a man steals food because he's hungry, that, that issue might could be just overlooked because, you know, these things in this day and time, those sort of things happen. But let him get caught at stealing. And then it's a whole different issue. Not only might he have to give back the food that he's already stolen, but he might have to go back or go to jail. Back then, it would have been the debtor's prison. And normally, if you went into debtor's prison, more times than not, you didn't get out. Because you had to earn money to be able to pay those debts off. And generally, you didn't have any way of working. So you couldn't earn any any kind of money. His fine or repayment could be substantially higher than the amount of food that he took. Seven times as much, it says. Solomon is saying the same thing concerning adultery. First in 32, he's saying that the adulterer lacks sense. Duh. Simply, he is lacking good judgment if you're caught at it you are destroying yourself in a way that is emotional and moral suicide his disgrace will not be removed very easily even worse if this adulterous woman has a husband look out as it's written he will not spare when he takes revenge in all likelihood or another way of putting this, he's going to take some hide from somebody. He ain't going to let this just go. Solomon says he will even accept no compensation. There's no, no, I'm sorry, gifts that are going to be good enough or expensive enough or whatever the case may be to take the hurt away from this man. Think of the pain when you've hurt someone else so deeply, how difficult that is to repair no matter what you try or no matter how hard you try. And then there's the matter of your own spouse. Let's say if the tables are turned here, think of the pain you would feel if you found out your wife was the one or your spouse is the one cheating. I don't even want to go there. But I think each of us could put ourselves in both persons' shoes and understand a bit about that kind of pain as fun and sensual as we are made to believe that living for today is. That doing what feels good, that live and love, you won't hurt anybody else by doing that. You are fooling yourself. I wanted to hit again on relationships other than sexual this morning, but honestly, this passage really speaks primarily to that kind of situation. But it does bear mentioning that any time that we take our soul attention away From our spouse, when we're married, we run the risk of an adulterous relationship, both in the sexual nature or letting our love of another person stray from our spouse. It can happen if we let our guard down with things as simple as as clubs or, or sports or work or anything else along the lines of things like that. We didn't necessarily mean for anything to happen. It just did And the spouse you loved at one time more than anything else now stands as odd person out. Had Jesus been in that relationship, I can't say that it wouldn't have happened. You see it happen in the church quite often, too often, way too often. But it's much less likely to happen keeping the lines of communication open between each of the couple is vitally important. If you refuse a come on, is everything going to be rosy? Well, that depends. First, your relationship with Christ and your spouse is going to be stronger than it ever was because you withstood that temptation and you stared it down. That's a good thing. But look at a second, uh, look at a second at Joseph In Genesis chapter 39, Mrs. Potiphar, we'll use that term for lack of a better way of knowing it since we didn't know her name. Mrs. Potiphar was turned down by Joseph on more than one occasion. Remember, she was married to the man now that Joseph had worked for for some time. And the man had developed a great deal of trust in Joseph. Remember as well that he ended up in prison for some time because she lied and the the husband believed her. Some may feel that they have to sleep with the boss to get a raise or a promotion. You don't have to. But you think, if I don't, I could lose my job, the job that I've wanted so much to have. Yes, doing the right thing can cost you. There is no doubt about that. And yet Joseph took the high road, didn't he? Knowing he had done no wrong we have to learn the word no just like Joseph did but if you look at the end of the story for Joseph he came out pretty good didn't he saying no to sin doing wrong knowingly is not always an easy choice sometimes it seems a bit unfair that we just can't go out and have all the fun we want and it not affect anybody else but know this While you may get away with it now, God knows it, and He is ready to reward a no or punish a yes. That is, unless you confess to Him your sin. Unless you repent from those sins and you commit them no more. If that's the case, as Brett said this morning, those things are forgotten. And that's the beauty of Jesus Christ in your life. The fact that you don't have to worry about those sins anymore. Will Satan bring them up in your life? Absolutely. Be driving along in a car and you've got nothing else to think about. What do you do? You think about all the things that you did 20 years ago. All the bad things anyway. I mean, that's just the way it works. But understand, those sins from Jesus are forgotten, okay? Joseph re- was rewarded in the end for his doing right in God's eyes we might not be rewarded here on earth. Tell her I'm about finished, okay? <laughs> and another thing, you know, I just happened to think about this. This is her first sermon as far as I know. Boy, what a sermon to start with, right? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Chris. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we, we might not be rewarded here on earth, but we're going to be ready, or we need to be ready to be rewarded in a place far greater and more important than this world could ever offer us. God's rule to us is not arbitrary. They don't forbid good, clean fun. There's there's brotherly love. There's love for one another that is far and away longer lasting than a short-term affair of the heart. Those relationships will be honored by God. Be true to God. Be true to your spouse. Be true to your family. Be true to your church family. The reward is far greater than the risk of losing it all. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning for another lesson that is oftentimes for us very difficult to, to deal with. And yet, by simply looking to you rather than to the world, we know we're going to be okay. So would you help us? Would you give us that strength? If there's someone here today that's experiencing a difficulty like this, a crossroads in their life, Father, would you give them the peace of knowing that you're right there for them and with them, you've got their back. Just bless us all, Lord, to that end, because there are times when we all have to make decisions of the heart. And those can be quite, quite hard. But just guide us. Be with us, and Lord, may we look to you for all things. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our catechism question this morning is question number 13. Question is can, you, uh, can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? Listen closely to the answer here now, okay? Read with me. Since the fall, no mere human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly but consistently breaks it in thought, word, and deed. But folks, there's good news. And it's called called Jesus Christ. And in Him, we can be forgiven. We come now to the opportunity to to go to the table. Uh, It's always a sacred time. It's always a great time to fellowship one with another in our worship. But it's also even better to be able to come before our Lord, knowing He is here with us, As we participate in the Lord's Supper. I do want to read for you the words of institution, And I'm going to bring them from the book of Matthew this morning. And I want you to listen closely to these words as we hear them from Matthew. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. I want you to take that last verse and I want you to put your name in there. And I want you to consider the promise that Jesus Christ has just given not only His disciples, but has given each one of us. That there is going to come a day, a, a great day, when we are going to be able to partake of this feast with Him eternally. He is going to be at the head of the table. It doesn't matter where we sit, folks. We're just there, and that's the important thing. But I want you to remember this. In this word that he gave to his disciples, it was meant for us as well. Brett, I'll use you as the example, but I, I tell you, I will not drink it again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you, Brett Sartan. With you, Christian Alter. With you, Jay Smith. With you, Chris Lang with every single one of us in this building, in this congregation today. He is addressing each one of us if we simply follow Him, obey His commands, live for Him, love others, as we've been taught to do. Can you imagine? You know, we talk oftentimes about when He was on the cross, He had us on His mind. But I dare say so. when he said this promise he had us on his mind right then. What a joy when we can make this personal like this. And so the day we come this table that we're going to be sitting at doesn't belong to Hill City Church. It doesn't belong to the ARP denomination. It does not belong to a single solitary person on the face of this earth. It does belong To Jesus Christ. He is the one who issues the invitation to come. And he does so to those who profess him as Lord and Savior of their lives. Not just as a member of this church. But to anyone who believes in him as Lord and Savior. And so as community we come together and we say all sit together. But if you're not in that right relationship with Him right now, maybe today is not the best day for you to partake. And we'll be glad to talk with you. One of the elders, myself, we'll be glad to talk to you about that if you're a little unsure. If you're unsure, don't do it. But I encourage you today, as we go to the back, we will commune in unity. That's what community is all about, isn't it? So we invite everyone to come and sit and at least be able to watch everyone if not partake. The table is ready. All things are ready. Let's come to the feast. Follow me. I'll follow you, whichever.